that's where agile is super important to understand that we need that. We need to give to the teams the possibility to try things out, possibility to fail, possibility to learn and to understand that, hey, we don't know how to solve this and that's okay. If the mission is right, I'm like 100% in it. And I hope that the team is also 100% yeah. in it. If it's just like, well, I'll do my job. Maybe there's some use for someone. I don't know. Then it's like you cannot get the best out of the team with that kind of thing. Everyone is important. Like it might be even that someone makes coffee, that it, if that is what it's needed, then someone does it. And so it can be so many things. It's not about the expertise or the special skills you have because you can adapt. Welcome to Fork, Pull, Merge, Push. This is a show about topics developers obsess over with guest engineers from around the world. So with me today, I have Banu and Gabi. During this season, we've been talking about the future of work. If I say the words future work, what does it mean to you? Like, what is the first thing that comes to mind? I see many different things here. Firstly, I probably see this kind of trend that has been going on for a while that, you know, put the customer in focus. That's great. But I feel like kind of more modern times, we've realized that actually we have a holy trinity, like a triangle with the customer, we have the employee, and we have our business. And if we lose any of these, we're in trouble. We've got nothing left. And I feel like companies have started to realize that, yes, we need to value our employees and we need, of course, business has always been there, but but employees and, and customers are are basically just as valuable. Because of COVID, I see something else also happening. I see companies going in, in two different directions with remote and mm-hmm. on-site. Mm-hmm. I think both will thrive, but in very different ways. Doing both simultaneously is going to be very hard, if not impossible. Yeah. The first thing that comes to my mind is metaverse. Ah. In a in an ironic and you know sense, like I would actually hate to see the future of work like that. But I, I think it brings the same kind of uh, like like thoughts that that I think it's already quite interesting nowadays that you know if you look at people how they work they sit at their PC so if if just look at the people like how they work you can't figure out what they are doing earlier carpenter you see that okay he's building a house and that person is sort of farming so you know you know already from the outside but now even even like sitting on the computer you you just can't don't know um imagine then if you're in the metaverse so everybody's sitting at their computer with some kind of glasses on and gloves and whatnot and like it's getting even even worse so um i i really hope that we could still be interacting with each other like face to face like we are actually doing here definitely but i still see that there is a place for both because they have different strengths and different like issues so for those people who value often things outside of work will perhaps prefer the remote setting. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have people like us who actually really like coming to work and, and meeting and having like face-to-face kind of encounters. And and I think there will be a place forever in both worlds. Yeah, I think there's so much we need to learn from that. I, I just like, you know, had had a, this kind of experience in our project just recently is that when we were in working literally in the same room, 
And then we had a couple of persons who were remote and they were, they, it was simply sort of, we just couldn't keep there close enough. So, mm-hmm. you know, our pace, how we could iterate stuff like within minutes, within the, our discussion, you know, it simply, we, we didn't find a way of like involving those people in that, which means that then they feel like being outside and then it starts to sort of mm-hmm. crumble quite badly. We, there is a lot that that we need to learn still. Absolutely. And and the hybrid mode is always, if not completely impossible, the hardest. Uh, we've tried some things with, with hybrid, but it is so cumbersome that I would never like go out of my way to ever recommend it. What does agile mean to you? So I have probably more of a theoretical kind of viewpoint. Um, I work as an agile coach, but also as a as a coach, I have proper certification. Uh, I also work as a trainer um, and as well as kind of a facilitator. So so there's this kind of trinity here. Usually when we talk about Agile, we talk about it as an umbrella term for tools, frameworks, structures, mindsets, or even lifestyles, if you're more like me. <laughs> but I personally believe it's we're being too rigid if we try to define Agile as a specific tool or framework. Then I think, you know, it's not going in a good direction. But I would say it's a mindset of learning and adapting as fast as possible to your changing environment. How about you, Pana? And I'm, I'm more like a practitioner, I think, in this Agile. So I, I, I just couldn't recite by heart the Agile manifesto or anything like that. And I'm a designer. I think that it's also, you know, that's one of the reasons why, why sort of like, because the original manifesto, as far as I understand, is, it's a manifesto for Agile software development. And... Uh, I think designers were not present there when that was written. That's true. And I think I think it's still partly, you know, visible nowadays. I run into the questions of agility is typically that, like, how do we integrate design in agile? And uh, been seeing that, you know, tried in many many different ways, and none of them are so far being completely optimal. It's always a question in in each and every team that I've been part of that how we do we integrate design. Do you have any tips, like things that have actually worked? Not saying like the whole process, but like, like some things that have made sense. Maybe the sort of the common thing for all of the, that integration is that the design and development, it should be one team and try to integrate them as deeply as possible so that the whole team is responsible for the design and they are responsible for the delivery and development and, and like everything together. So shared responsibility. If you start splitting the team, that designers are responsible for design and developers for development, that's the recipe for failure. Yeah. I'd kind of like to, like from a maybe theoretical point of view, go back to the fact of what Agile is. So if we're thinking it's a mindset of, of learning fast and adapting, all of the structures, methods, and everything that we have is actually based on mutual respect and collaboration. So that's kind of the basis that we have. Whatever framework or structure that you want to use, it doesn't necessarily kind of force you in any way. It just says, make sure that you're learning, you're adapting, and there's mutual respect between everyone and there's collaboration. So however you collaborate is kind of up to you. You mentioned frameworks, you mentioned tools. Why is it that when we set up teams, we look into Scrum, we look into Kanban, we look into those things to kind of guide us? What is the reason? I'd like to go back to psychiatry here. So if we were to think of how do we define well-being, we define it by a perfect balance between rigidity and chaos. And that's where 
humans thrive. That's where teams thrive. That's where organizations thrive. And, and I think that's kind of what we're trying to do. So if we are, depending on, on, on the organization and team here, if we're too much on the rigidity side of things, then we might want to have something like sociocracy 3.0 or team topologies where you can kind of cherry pick mm -hmm. the things you want. It brings you from rigidity towards chaos. So more in, in that balance. If we're on the opposite spectrum and we have more chaos, then we want scrum, something with structure. Mm -hmm. We need structure. <laughs> and I think that's where it all kind of comes from. We need something. Then what is it that we pick? Mm -hmm. That's kind of difficult. And sometimes maybe we even don't talk about where are we right now? What is it that we need? Where are we going? And then consider, okay, yep. so what could help us? And also when you're choosing tools and frameworks, think of it more of like a process. So if you were to think, okay, so let's start with Kanban. All Kanban asks you to do is start with what you have now and decide to improve. And that's that. So, okay, you need to visualize your work, but there are things that Agile calls for, which is Hopefully, you're visualizing your work, you're making large chunks of work into manageable pieces, you're involving the right people and you're trying to adapt and learn, and that's all you need, kind of, then however you want to structure that is, is up to you. It's still agile. Yep. To me, it somehow, somehow so seems that, you know, the more mature and experienced team you're working with, the less they will need these kind of like rituals, or they, they sort of like you know they of course have the rituals but they 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 decide that what is what is sort of uh you know makes sense mm -hmm. with that particular team that particular problem and so forth but of course that requires that you really know what you're doing and you're sort of really used to this kind of like agile way of working and you have like internalized the principles if you're just beginning to do it you know it's really really difficult to say that you know you have these principles let's let's go so you have to have some guidelines first that, okay, maybe you should have this kind of like, maybe you have to like scrum and then you have like these rituals and what, you know, documentation, whatever, so that you get, get started. Of course, on the other hand, if you do only that, then you will probably not change the actual way of working. You're sort of, you're just like retrofit your existing way of working to those tools and rituals and whatever. So it takes time for, for, for the team to mature. Mm -hmm. hmm. Well, I think when you're doing something new, there are not really any shortcuts. And if you want to improve and, and learn, uh, you have to start somewhere. And unless you have perfect information, if you have perfect information, then, you know, waterfall is, you know, your way to go. You plan ahead, you execute and you give everything to the customer. Mm -hmm. Sure. Then, yeah. But I mean, we rarely have. And I, I liked it. One of what you said is that, you know, um, people that are very experienced don't necessarily need so much rigidity. And I would agree. Uh, considering the, the Japanese martial arts metaphor of shuhari, you start with unconscious incompetence. You don't even know what you don't know. And that's the shu. So we read the scrum guide, for instance. We don't know why we're having a 15-minute daily. We just do it. <laughs> yeah. But then we start to kind of see the effects and we can, we can learn. And eventually we get to the conscious competence, the ha, 
where we understand why we're having that daily. We understand why and we can start to add things or leave something out, kind of deviate from from that scrum guide. And eventually, if we're lucky enough, uh, we can get to unconscious competence. And I think that's fun what you're talking about, the re where, where you're kind of living those agile values and you can create things yourself and, and you can make it really specific to, you, to your needs. But it's still agile because you are kind of, it's kind of the forces within you type of thing that uh, you don't have to worry about the boundaries because they're innate. It almost sounds like the purest form of Agile in a way that you kind of, you've learned things and then you realize that it's about learning. Exactly. Is that actually the future of Agile, if you would have to say, if that is that it, like just going back to the learning? Well, yes and no. Yes, in the sense that I believe that that is kind of like like I just explained, you you kind of have to go that route. But then I also think that it's not enough to come with, you know, an agile framework to the table and be like, hey, I'm going to save everything. I don't believe that. Mm -hmm. I think we need a more holistic view. Mm, However, agile can be that framework to get there. So I think it's that mindset but you need to set the direction, the destination where we're going. If you don't have that, Agile won't save you. But if you have that, Agile can help you get there. So you might figure out we need to systematically understand our company better. We need to know how we make decisions, improve how we make them. Uh, we need to maybe understand psychologically how our teams work, how they don't work. So it can be anything. I think that as a consultant, I need to understand technically, organizationally, socially, psychologically, I mean, you name it, in order to holistically help them. Then having that agile framework in my back pocket is always a good thing. It's that way to get there. Yeah, I'm also thinking here at the same time a bit of like from the organization's perspective who wants to set up like things like agile that, you know, typically they don't start from the zero, that there will be teams that are more mature, already have tried it out, and then some teams are maybe just starting. So, of course, you know, it's very rare that you start from zero and then you take, you know, Scrum and then you start sort of following the guide. But there will be there will be people there who have done it before. So, And, of course, clever organizations do that, that they sort of mix the teams so that there will be more experienced ones and then there may be less experienced ones so that they can, you know, get, get much quicker in into that mode. Then the other alternative that some organizations unfortunately have, you know, tried to do is that they take this huge framework like SAFE, what is SAFE? Mm-hmm. And they say like, okay, we'll use this. And then they start reading, reading the guidelines. And that typically leads also to, well, let's say, let's say it takes, it takes quite a few years before they realize that that they shouldn't be actually following, like literally, but yeah. how to apply them in their organization. But is there a shortcut? Like, I don't know if there is. I think somehow we need to kind of go that shuhari mm-hmm. evolution. Yeah. And and it's, it's going to be expensive, but it's also something very difficult to kind of tell your client. You know, by the way, we're going to do this huge elaborate circus. <laughs> and then eventually you realize that actually we go back to basics. Yeah. 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 The, 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 the best, best things I've seen is that, that the organization understands this, that they cannot jump to the sort of like expert level right away. So they select a couple of teams and they say, like, okay, let's start with these. Let's try to make them independent. Let's try to make them agile first and then learn and then sort of like continue based on that and not have this kind of like all encompassing framework to start with. 
And it's it's difficult. This is what I do for a living and I don't know what the right decision, how to do, go about it is because it really depends. Sometimes absolutely you go kind of narrow and deep. Sometimes that's the right answer. And sometimes you need that. If it's a huge old company, then sometimes you need to kind of restructure everything and it's super painful. And sometimes it leads to like complete disaster, but usually things happen that are also good, yep. even while you're moving towards that disaster. Yeah, I feel like usually people actually learn that they've learned. And that is like, the, that is the key thing that they realize at some point that oh, we've actually learned. Because the thing is with change that it, it, it isn't fast, usually, mm -hmm. especially like if you think about ways of working, like, like moving to Agile, you can only see it from like a year or something later, oh, this is how we've changed. Yeah. So it, it does take time. And I mean, we're people and we love kind of seeing new and shiny things. So the idea of like taking now this one framework and sticking with it for 10 years, I mean, it's not very natural for us. We're yeah. like, oh, we've tried this for a year. Give me that new shiny little <laughs> thingy again. Maybe we just need to face it. That's that's what we're like. And that's probably always going to happen. And even though we know, we're still kind of expecting that silver bullet to kind of land mm -hmm. on our doorstep and be like, ooh, this will solve all our problems. But so far, no silver bullets. They all are hard work and, and a lot of energy and, and frustrating and difficult. Yeah. Usually the first thing that we do is we say stop and literally try to figure out what are we doing? Why are we doing it like this? And could there be a better way? Mm. And kind of put that structure in. But yes, I agree, Pano, it's awful. I've been in that situation myself where I've been like, retro, no need for that. But whenever I say that out loud, I know that, okay, we need to stop. Yeah. I've also been in a position where, in, in a scrum master position or something, where I've been expected to give like advice on what to do next. And it is super hard to say stop. Like even when you see that it, that is the thing we absolutely must do, it is really hard to be the one who say that because these ways of working are really kind of integrated in us and we have this idea of how we should work. It usually goes into kind of a optimizing our own productivity. Like and not the team productivity. And working. it creeps up on you. It's not like, you know, from day one to day two, you're like, this huge yeah. change happens. I remember it's many, many years ago, but I remember being in charge of this big project and asking one of the developers to take his computer with him on a cruise, his own time. It was this tiny little boat as well. And at that moment, I felt like I had no choice. And then I knew when I had said it out loud, I was like, oh my. I'm like, never mind, forget what I just <laughs> said. You know, I think this is like crisis mode now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I hadn't realized that, you know, for maybe two weeks that had kind of built up and until I was like, please take your computer. <laughs> I would say that we're all pretty familiar with Agile or like experienced with Agile. We have a history with Agile, uh, all of us. If you look back, the history you have with Agile, and then you imagine the future or this current state. What kind of uh, changes have you seen in, in terms of Agile or ways of working? You're looking at the projects I've been participating, you know, especially in the beginning, they were Scrum, follow, yeah. trying to follow the model quite, quite strictly, having all the rituals. And then later on, in, in further down li the line, in, the, in, in projects where we had like people with more experience on the Agile, we, we sort of 
it was it was obvious that that people had learned what are the sort of the principles and and they could live on it and moved for example to much much lighter lighter versions like you know just using kanban and some of the basic basic stuff in there but but yet of course like living it like every day so so of course that the maturity is increasing increasing all around i think i would say this has happened maybe in the last 5 years that at least there's been this huge shift towards teamwork and and how people work how our brains work and i i really like that i mean it's my my passion to to figure out which teams work and why and 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 what we need as a team to thrive but i think that is something new that we didn't really talk about 10 years ago mm-hmm. 10 years ago it was more like you know let's optimize the flow and and i still believe that's right but it's only like half you know it's the the human aspect is is super super big and and very important and i think we haven't really known that for you know our whole reactor history yeah even though it's still been happening but it hasn't really been tangible it sounds like this is the like the one part of the holy trinity that you mentioned that so we have the business and and the, we have the customer yeah, we have the employee yeah. so now we go into the employee and thinking yeah. of the teams nowadays the teams are much more interested and and passionate about the outcome mm-hmm. of like what is the impact of that the thing that we are doing because that somehow gives the gives the people there is kind of like a, a joint goal and nothing yeah. unifies a team better than a joint goal so earlier it was maybe it's just like you know we just need to we just need to code these features and then we are done and it's like then the designers were separated and and the developers doing their own thing testers separate but this kind of like joint mission i think that has changed changed radically yeah i i would agree i remember being part of a a team it was my second reactor project i was kind of in charge of making the team work well obviously as a coach <laughs> by the end we had that really meaningful goal yeah. and i was like you know using git i was doing all kinds of stuff that i wasn't there to do but i realized we have our joint mission you know am i just going to go home because i'm done but we weren't done yeah so i'm like okay mm-hmm. you know let's yes. put the cables in where they need to go and you know let's yeah. do all the stuff that you know where i could possibly help even though i was no expert and that's that's a thing i remember like my first reactor project there was a discussion within the team about like everyone is important like it might be even that someone makes coffee that if that is what it's needed then someone does it and so it can be so many things it's not about the expertise or the special skills you have because you can adapt and there you kind of very nicely touched on the fact that everything is based on that mutual respect yeah. and collaboration so regardless of what you're doing what your role is you're a very valuable part of that team how do you get to that like how do you build a team how you help a build a team to a place where there is a joint mission because i've seen a lot of teams with like a feature backlog you do this you do that and then after that and then there's a there's a little waterfall inside the agile where the design does the designing and then the development does the implementation and then on one to the next no one talks about feedback at all <laughs> and then we move on to the next one so that's part of it how do you help a team to change its ways to become this team of missionaries. <laughs> well, Gabby is like now, raising her hands. Like, yes, me, me. Let me answer. Now you've come into kind of my kingdom <laughs> of sorts. Well, I would probably lean on 
Richard J. Hackman, who is the world's most famous team researcher. And he says you can actually put it down into something called 60 30 10. Mm -hmm. So 60% of a team's possible success, possible underlined, is kind of a structural. So it is systemic. How many people are in the team? Is it clear what the team is supposed to do? Mm -hmm. Do we have the right skills? Kind of big things that the team in itself cannot decide by themselves on. So that is major. Mm -hmm. So if your team is structured wrong, you have very little chances of succeeding. 30% uh, is a successful launch. So when we start a team, or it can be a relaunch, it, it really depends, but because, you know, we have the project lifecycle and, and all that, but without getting into all that, we have that team launch. Team launch is super important. There we have stakeholders telling us, why are we doing this? Why is it now and not later? We also build a mutual understanding of what we're trying to build together. We also figure out who is involved and in which way. Attached to that is a core team kickoff where not, you know, we don't have all the stakeholders, but we figure out, okay, so how is Bono going to be contributing? What can I contribute? You know, where do I need help? And so forth. And 10 is that expert coaching. So if you leave everything else out and take only that expert coaching, so, you know, yes, I'm a very good coach, but I only have 10% mm -hmm. of a possibility to actually allow or help that team to succeed. So we need to figure out the big things first, then a proper launch where we figure out, and also sometimes we figure out things that we don't know. Yep. And then we're like, okay, we need to go back to the drawing board and, and get answers to that. Uh, and then we can kind of re relaunch and then expert coaching last. That sounds like a good recipe. I think that, you know, if the question is that, like, how do we create a joint mission? It, it certainly goes into the core of like, what are we trying to achieve for the, you know, in, the, in our case, of course, we are doing consulting. So what are we trying to achieve for our customers? So, so do they want to sell more stuff? Do they want to, you know, whatever the business target is. So it seems that, that especially those more mature agile teams, because they, they, they really want to do the impact somehow, mm -hmm. like yep. they, they have this internal drive towards that so they really want to understand that okay what are we trying to achieve in here and this of course is something that that you know quite often that is a responsibility of a product owner or product manager or something like that and i sometimes feel that that so far you know we've been considering the developers and then maybe the designers but then this kind of like the, the business targets is the responsibility somehow of the product owner And quite often the product owner hasn't been within the same team, like in the same room with the with the same team in in like you know 100 of their time. They are somewhere else, and then every two weeks they will maybe prioritize some you know feature mm -hmm. features, and then you don't really get into the discussion of like what is really important, because I think it's you know the the best things in that kind of like really well functioning agile team is that they they try to identify the biggest question marks. That, that the team has in front of them early, as early as possible. It could be technical, like does this architecture work or something like that, and then you build a you know, proof of concept. It could be related to the business or the users that will actually, the, the customers then finally purchase this service or something like that. And if that is the biggest question, then the team needs to solve that first. And it's actually not this kind of like technical question. It's more like, 
you know, require some kind of maybe prototypes mm-hmm. and, and customer mm-hmm. studies and, and getting into the core of that. So I think it's really tied into this kind of like that, that the team is responsible for the business outcome mm-hmm. yeah. and not just the features that some, some has sort of mm-hmm. like give, given to us. And that's kind of what the launch is supposed to do, give clarity to yeah. to what that is. And and I also like one of what you said, because I think part of, of that like core team is also, so what's in it for me? Yeah. And it's okay to kind of say, hey, now I see all of this, you know, there's nothing in it for me. And and flagging that instead of being like, okay, well, maybe I'll find something interesting along the way is much better. And we should also kind of applaud the fact that when people say that, okay, I, I don't really see that this is going to motivate me. Yeah. yeah, yes, especially for you know me being a designer and creating stuff that was, will be eventually sort of used by the end, end users. It's really important that I buy into the mm-hmm. same yes. target. If the mission is right, then I'm there like I'm like 100% in it, and I hope that the team is also like 100% yeah. in it. If it's just like like well, I'll do my job, and maybe there's some use for someone I don't know. Then it's like you cannot get the best out of the team with that kind of thing. I've seen a lot of like when you think about startups, the thing that you here is that we're going to build a great team, that the team is everything. But I wonder how widely that actually happens, that we find those people that are really seeing the thing, like they they find the motivation. To me, it sounds very difficult. And the thing is that you can have that in the beginning, but it can also change depending on what we are doing and the, the way the product is shifting or the project. So project life cycle, yeah. that, that is exactly the issue. Yeah. And many companies kind of recruit certain types of people. I'm not saying that we recruit certain types of people, but but sometimes it, it can be seen. We we usually love the unknown, something new, green field. Woo, you know, it's exciting. Yeah, yeah. We can create, we can mm-hmm. be creative, we can do something different. And then once, and I mean, let's face it, that's the, the point when when it's just costing the company money Mm -hmm. but then once it's starting to generate money we lose interest this happens to me to be honest and and i can see that this is this is where you know companies might have that issue when it's like we have the best people on this you know where did they go how come they're not interested anymore but it's maybe because you know it's not that excited anymore now we need to kind of figure out the details polish and and make sure that you know everything is nice and pretty and working and secure and yeah different people love that <laughs> one thing that i've observed with this kind of like more mature agile teams is that earlier people never discussed people's motivations and ways of working it's just like well here is a ticket so let's start coding but nowadays i think it's like a really significant part of the day especially early in the in the pro- project you know, we discuss a lot of like what motivates you and how do you want mm, to work yep. and we vary this kind of like human issues in order to get the team working really, really well. I think that has been changing also you know, radically. Earlier it was just, and still a bit like in this like introvert Finnish guy, it's a bit strange to me discuss about how you feel. But <laughs> I think this is essential part nowadays in informing the team and like in especially early parts of the process that how do people actually feel? How do they treat each other? That makes me so happy to hear. <laughs> Part of our team success services is that great team launch and, and the recalibration so that we keep doing that and we keep getting, you know, information out of that team. And and it's usually preferred that it's somebody outside of the team that facilitates that so we get proper 
proper discussions and actually figure out if, you know, Gabby is already bored when greenfield <laughs> time is over. But it's also cute to like, we, we have to do some like soul searching ourselves and understand what kind of a people we are. Because I mean, we cannot expect someone else to guess right. We have to be open about it. So that is where we go into talking about our feelings. So we have to be open. I would agree. And that's where our trainings come in. So <laughs> yeah. we have this Team Builder Academy where we actually learn about teamwork. And, and where do we start? Well, with ourselves. And then we start talking about the team. Yeah, yeah I, I've seen this happen. So, so, you know, one of the team members has been in the training and then they come <laughs> the next day with their eyes, shining eyes as like, let's talk about this. And everybody is like, oh, shit, you have been in the training again. <laughs> no, no, jokingly, it's usually ended up good, but it's sort of like so obvious when people come from the training and they're like so, so enthusiastic about what they learned. And then we start discussing things. So it's, yeah, it's, but it's, it's, nice. it's always the issue when one person has gone this like longer journey and, and then you're expecting everyone else to like in five minutes, like kind of get as yeah. excited as you are. Yeah. But, but I'm happy that they do. Because even just a discussion is better than nothing. Yeah, so. yeah indeed. <laughs> but it's also important to remember that all of the training is true. Yeah, I mean, it yeah. is that unconscious competence. You're, you're learning new stuff. You're getting excited. It is not ingrained yet. And then you have to kind of start experimenting, getting them into real habits in the team. And then you've actually learned something and it's it's kind of evolving in the team. So we have to start somewhere. Yep. And usually the training can be a good way to open up your eyes to maybe something that could be different or even just the agile, you know, continuous learning idea. Yeah. And for our listeners, if you want to participate to our trainings, we will definitely add links to the show notes. I highly recommend doing that. I mean, we've talked about how Agile has has changed and we see that it has. We've, I mean, maybe thinking at least like what I've noticed is that in the kind of early days, it was a lot about like making the one team work in an Agile way and not the organization. So now if we're going more into the future. We've talked about how it really needs to widen the scope and it already has. But what kind of tips do we have for the organization? So we've talked about we need to have a great team. But how do we get the organizations to, I don't know, make a change? Is there some trick to having like a vertical change within the organization? The pain needs to be grave enough. Mm. I mean, if you don't have that, if everything is going well, why change? There, there's no point. So the pain really needs to be like visible and, and there needs to be kind of this well, I don't know if I should use the term burning platform, but but still, it will definitely help. If we don't have that, then what's in it for me? Because everyone in that company is going to ask, what's in it for me? But then if the company, if they've decided that, yes, we want to do it, usually what we what we do is we get the leadership team into this kind of, well, an academy mm -hmm. to to kind of solve and figure out what they want to do, what is important, how do they work together uh, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then we often have these types of like change agents that we put into another academy or something very similar to what the leaders are doing and, and, and mix, mix them up as much as possible. I think uh, it is very important often to have that middle management like on your side to figure out what's in it for them and, and actually listen to them and, and have them incorporate things in, into, into that change. Um, because they usually either make or break that change. Mm -hmm. 
And once you kind of start to figure out, you know, get everyone on all levels in, into this change, then then you might, it might actually something might change. And and uh, and and we have to, like you said, also in in the beginning, that you know, change is slow. Mm-hmm. And that we should also kind of accept that it's going to be slow. But what would be the most important thing that we could do right this moment and actually prioritize and not try to do everything at the same time? Yeah. It seems like we need to find those things that are like small steps that can make at least some kind of a difference. And then again, this sounds very much like a natural way of approaching things. Start with small, iterate and try something else. No, looking looking at this from a slightly different angle is like how can we as a team, you know, help this organization better? And I think one of the bottlenecks that you notice in that kind of agile team very quickly is the the channel of communication that is some sometimes really really narrow. That it's a PO giving you like you know a couple of lines of text in a in a Jira ticket or something like that, and and that is simply doesn't work if you really want to get the impact done. Yeah. So so you need to somehow get to the into the root of the of of the questions and talk to the right people and have that kind of a communication outside from the team, like you know in the upwards mm-hmm. in the organization or sideways or wherever, like as broad as possible. So invite people there in your mm-hmm. team room and to talk with you for an hour about different kind of issues and if you start to do that like you show your work what you're doing and we are thinking of this and this is a design that we are thinking of like what do you think of this and can mm-hmm. you can you help us you know and you can actually quite quite quickly get into this kind of like more like informal routes of communication and show that 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 the work is so much effective that when it's not this that doesn't have it's not throttled through through some one person and that's something that the, the team actually that has worked really, really nicely so that we can involve a much mm-hmm. broader base of, of, of the customers and the management there in the organization. I completely agree. And, and sometimes having like nice cinnamon buns or, mm-hmm. you know, better coffee or something might actually, you know, work really well to get the people to actually come to that. Yeah, you now. never underst- underestimate the good coffee machine and the snacks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's it's a great way you share treats and then, you know, people start talking. I've, I've mentioned, I think in a few episodes already, about the possibility of like using agile kind of increasing uncertainty in a way. And I wanted to ask how you, how you feel about that. Meaning like, say that we're working with the feature backlogs. There's an idea like this fake, I'm again making, uh, well, maybe not uh, quotes here, but like a fake certainty here that if we plan our backlog with these features, we're going to estimate that they're going to take this long and then we're going to be out in production in May. And we have this kind of a certainty it's going to happen. But then if we go into this more of a natural mindset where we, the purpose is learning. So we don't really actually know what we'll be doing in May. It increases uncertainty in a way because you can't really plan do you agree that this is like what happens and it's something mm-hmm. that we might be hard to live with somehow yeah i think i i it sounds very familiar i mean of course we can live as, as, as agile teams and members we can live that and that's our job i think to live yeah. with uncertainty it's the management it that then that's that's the tricky part because they need to give up a little bit of the control 
and, and give more trust to the teams, that the team can actually handle it. I absolutely agree. However, the situation doesn't change. It's kind of fake control. Yeah. yeah. Mm, yes. And I think where Agile is the most useful is things that today are like magic. Tomorrow is only complicated work. So if we were to think of like my, my smartwatch 20 years ago, that would have been magic. And today it's just normal, complicated work. And, and we have today many things that today we feel like this is impossible and down the line it's going to be possible. And I think that's where Agile is super important to understand that we need that. We need to give to the teams the possibility to try things out, possibility to fail, possibility to learn and to understand that, hey, we don't know how to solve this and that's okay. And, and we, we agree that we don't know. And in, in many ways, the management, of course, does know that they don't know. But yep. still, it feels too scary to say it out loud. So we maybe build this kind of false control that, hey, you know, you will be done in May. Yeah. I think that's where sometimes I go through this with clients like, okay, so you want to be agile. Well, let's look at the work. If your work is simple or even complicated, then maybe it's enough to kind of visualize your work. It's enough to collaborate and have mutual respect. But I wouldn't necessarily go into Scrum. Yeah. There's no point. But if your work is complex and you don't know the problem you're trying to solve and you don't know your solution, then I would definitely think that it's worth a try. So it, it seems that Agile is very much, I don't know if it's okay to say like here to stay, at least it is very relevant to the future of work still. Do you agree? Well, if we have things that we need to solve that we don't know what it is and we don't know what we're, you know, what the solution is, then absolutely. I don't think there is another way if we think that it's that mindset of learning and adapting. Mm -hmm. Learning and adapting will be relevant also tomorrow. Yeah, I completely agree. So so I think one of the things that I remember maybe best in, from the principles of Agile is that the, in, in, the, in the beginning in the project, we know the least of anything. So how can we do a plan when we know the least? That's a very good point. And I think also a good place to end this discussion today. Thank you for joining. I hope you have fun. I had super fun uh, discussing this with you today. I did. And I think you could see from my <laughs> excited face that I really enjoyed it. Thank you everyone for listening. This has been Four Cool Merch Push. Please subscribe to hear more about future work. <laughs>